welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Today's guest has a mission statement to educate people on what it means to be truly healthy. And if appearances are anything to go by, she knows what she's talking about. Apparently, though, she, has a bit of a, she had a bit of a journey to get where she is today. Like the rest of my guests, Cheryl seems to know mid-aged women. I read this statement on her website. Your days are spent, dot, 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 prioritizing everything but yourself. Sound familiar? Cheryl focuses on supporting women in perimenopause and menopause and talks about goals like radiant energy. Couldn't we all do with a little more of that? Cheryl Carroll, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited for our conversation. Yeah, I am too, except <laughs> I need you to explain how a woman starts out in banking and ends up an integrative health practitioner. I know. Isn't that just, I'll explain, I'll explain kind of the link now as to how my training really supports Please me doing, do. what, I, doing yeah. what I do but oh, you know what it's like at, at I don't know what's actually what it's like when you know when you guys go to school but in South Africa it's where you get shuttled in terms of your training and education is very much based on what you're good at so I was very good at accountancy and so I was offered a bursary with Deloitte to go and do my um, accountancy articles with them so I was like okay my dad was a chartered accountant so it seemed like a natural step so I went and did it had a whole lot of fun went from there into banking in London and you know spent my years in internal audit but always felt that there was something missing that I was you know I was good at my job I you know climbed the ranks and you know got good reviews but I didn't have that fire in my belly for banking or for auditing or anything like that. I just really enjoyed the experience that I had to travel the world and meet amazing people and have lots of fun. And, you know, so then I moved to Australia and um, where I moved with my husband and went straight into banking, obviously. And then when I was on maternity leave with my first child, I was like, I've got to use this opportunity, obviously, to spend time with my child, but also to do a little bit of um, training. So I was like fanatical around exercise and I was like, okay, great. I'm going to do my personal training qualification and actually see if that's a route I wanted to take. Because I used to run, you know, like just fun fitness classes for my friends on, you know, on the side on weekends. And I did that, but I didn't. I didn't love it. Like I didn't, I knew I didn't want that to be my career. 
And but whilst I was pregnant with my daughter, one of my best friends was diagnosed with bowel cancer and passed away three months later. And, you know, she was somebody who'd shared this real passion for health and well-being. And we, you know, it, it just didn't make sense to me how somebody like her could get this disease. And, you know, that was her fate. It just felt like it brought up a lot of fear because, you know, I just brought a new child into the world. It's like, how can, how can our health outcomes just be left to fate? So I had these kind of thoughts going around in my head thinking, well, what can we be doing preventatively to support our health so that this doesn't become our destiny? So, you know, all these things swirling around, I started listening to a lot of um, holistic health podcasts and then, you know, we'd always planned to have an, another child. And then when I was on, um, just as I'd had birthed my son, like I was going for a walk with my husband and I said to him, I really want to do in this maternity leave, I really want to do some training on nutrition. I just want to validate that the decisions I'm making for our family from a nutrition standpoint are actually supporting us. You know, you, you, you only know what you know. So I found out all about different nutrition courses and I signed up for the Institute of Integrative Nutrition Health Coaching Certification, which is, you know, very broad overview of holistic health. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. I, you know, I found my thing. And then through that, I signed up for another certification through a doctor that I follow in the US, Dr. Stephen Cabral, who brings together Ayurvedic practices, traditional Chinese medicine, functional medicine, all into this, this health practitioner certification. And that one goes a lot deeper. And it's all around getting to the root cause of disease in the body. So why is our body telling us and showing us all of these symptoms? It's all about bringing about balance into the body. So that's finally where I understood why I'd gone through these years of training as an auditor because it was all, you know, my role was an internal audit and it's all about getting to the root cause of issues going on in the bank. And here it's about root cause analysis, but within the human body. So, you know, I'm like, okay, I understand my path now. <laughs> so that's, that's how I've ended up doing health coaching and I was doing it part-time in my banking role here in Australia. And eventually I just realized there was such a value misalignment with what, with what I was doing and that I needed to make a plan to um, do it full-time because I was just, you know, I was doing it on the side. So in December, 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, I pulled the plug and I left banking and I haven't looked back since. So that's really how I've ended up where I am and kind of I started off being a generalist and then I realized that I was attracting a lot of women in the you know 40 to 50 age category or feeling the same way or kind of feeling a bit disconnected with their bodies not having the energy that they want didn't know what they were doing wrong and you know, through my investigation and also stuff that was going on with me personally, the whole world of perimenopause was opened up to me because it wasn't actually something that was covered specifically 
in my health coaching certification or either of them, even though it was, you know, it's very in-depth, the training that I did on hormones, there wasn't a specific deep dive into perimenopause, just, a, you know, obviously a module on menopause, but not the pre-experience, which is what most women, that's where things can go a little bit hairy. So through this, I was like, this is, this has to be my thing because I just feel that women really need this level of support to be able to take advantage of the real opportunity that the menopausal transition can be for us. Okay, first of all, I would like to say that if anybody gets a true fire in their belly for audit, um, please, please message me. <laughs> now, just, I, I also obviously read your bios, just so that people don't take one look at your picture and go like, oh, yeah, like, you know, she's obviously healthy and in shape and all that stuff. She doesn't really have a clue. I take it your health or your trip to, to good health was a bit of a journey. Um, I sort of intimated that in the intro. Are you comfortable sharing that with our Absolutely. Listeners? And it's, you know, and it's been, you know, it's been up and down, up and down. The more you know and the more you understand about what true health is, then you can really have a look back and think, well, you know, that wasn't, I thought I was healthy, but I really wasn't. So maybe I'll start off with my definition of of you know, what, what I see true health being, and that's having the energy and the ability to show up the way you want to in all areas of life, you know, so that's for work and for your family and for your hobbies and, you know, whatever else is important to you. So that's my definition of, of health. And so I'll start off with, you know, when I was around, 21 I'll say yeah 21 you know so I've always been pretty small lean I could eat what I wanted to and then I went to the U.S. to work on a ski resort and my job was working in the food court so the people in the kitchen would always make us all of this food so pretty much what I did for two months was eat and I got back to South Africa after this experience and like I put on so much weight. I felt so uncomfortable in my skin. So what I started to do was reduce what I ate and then started to go to the gym. And then that became a bit of a thing for me. And I started to lose the weight and it felt good. And I, so I got that positive feedback and then I got into a very bad relationship with my controlling what I ate and then always having to exercise. So through this whole, you know, and this was pretty much my pattern for, I would say, you know, maybe for about five years. And then I became less rigid around the the eating side of things. So, you know, I improved my relationship with food. However, the exercise situation was too extreme for my body. And then when I moved to London, I got into marathons. So, you know, so I was always training for this particular, you know, and I did stupidly ran back-to-back marathons you know I was really I was a very good long distance runner and my times kept on on improving and through all of the success of exercise I lost my period and you know through a lack of education I thought this was wonderful you know I didn't have you know the issues of you know having a monthly period anything that went with it 
but actually that my body was crying out to say that what I was doing wasn't working for me, you know, and that, and that continued. And, you know, eventually when I, when I met my husband, he was like, Cheryl, this is not normal. You know, this is not normal for you not to have a period. And, you know, but everybody around me would have said that I was so healthy because, you know, I was in shape. I was ate very well. I exercised a lot. So, you know, from the outside, yes, she's healthy, but actually I wasn't very healthy at all. And my body was giving me these signs that I just brushed off because I was like, oh, it's convenient. You know, and I think that's, that's a theme with a lot of people is that you, you normalize your own experience. It's like, oh, well, that's normal for me, but actually it's a far from normal experience for a woman in her twenties and thirties to not have a period. You know, it's really, you know, now through my education and how I coach women, it's it's really our superpower, something to tap into and to really leverage in terms of how we live our life. You know, so I was just living every day the same, you know, like getting up at 5.30 a.m., either running into work in London or going to the gym and then working very hard, going out late at night. So really burning the candle at both ends that was just depleting my body. So kind of fast forward through meeting my husband, he was like, you know, no alert. This is not good. So then I went through a journey of working with an acupuncturist and a doctor and really just slowing down. I had to slow down and give my body the cue that it was safe and that it wasn't like fighting for its life um, because I was putting it under so much pressure. So I really changed my lifestyle in order to fall pregnant with my daughter. You know, I had a miscarriage first of all, obviously because my body wasn't ready for it. And then I fell pregnant with my daughter. But then I would still say that it's been a bit of a journey to really, really align with my menstrual cycle and really slow down. And, And the catalyst of that was when I was 41, before I moved full time into into health coaching, I, I had a burnout. And that's because I was working, you know, in the senior banking role, a full-time role in three days with a, two young kids that neither of them liked to sleep. You know, so I would have gone into work having been up since three o'clock in the morning, you know, in a very toxic work environment, working late at night. And it was just, you know, with, with the hormonal shifts that happen in perimenopause, I just wasn't as resilient as I used to be. And, you know, I just totally burnt out, took some time out. And so that was also part of the perimenopause story is that I realized that my hormones had changed because of how much stress my body had been under, probably also from having kids later in life. And then, you know, this catalyst of very poor sleep and work stress that just, you know, really just took things out of me. And it's been a, it's really been a healing journey with the perimenopause lens since then. So, yeah, I guess I want women to learn from what I went through because I see, like, I see this pattern repeated and repeated and repeated. And, you know, I just want women to, to stop before they get to that really bad place, whether that's burnout or, you know, a a diagnosis of some sort that they really don't want and like 
proactively take the steps to feel amazing because we can. I hope you don't think I'm being flip when I say that, you know, perhaps you were lucky to have something so obvious as difficulty getting pregnant because that was sort of the slap upside the head, whereas a lot of people can really fall into poor health with no outside alarm bells going. Exactly. I 100% agree with you. Like all of these things are gifts. It's, it was a gift that I had that experience. Well, first of all, that my husband was so, you know, progressive to, I mean, he's so direct and honest, you know, to be like, this is, you've got to sort this out. This is not okay as a starting point, but it was the fact that I, you know, that I had a miscarriage, that that was the real catalyst. It made me, because at that point in time, I was 36 and, you know, so I'd been engaged before and, and, you know, had this idea of having a family. And I wasn't sure at that point whether I wanted a family again, you know, so the fact that I wasn't, you know, having a period or I didn't think of the longer term health implications for my body because not having a period for that long, it has huge implications from a bone density perspective. Um, our hormones are have such an important role in overall health. And the fact that they weren't working proper, properly meant so much more than just the lack of fertility, which is what I know now, but I didn't know then. So it was really the fact that I fell pregnant, even without having a cycle, that got me into the thinking and the feeling of what it would be like to have a family. And that's what was really the the, the main driver then to me, like, okay, like, this is what I want and I need to work for this. So, you know, all of the other stuff, because it's it's about undoing our programming of all of the habits and the behaviors that we take on and we embody that it's about unpicking all of that. And, you know, I think for anybody who needs to make a behavior change because they have a particular goal, it's the behavioral side of things that's always the most difficult to shift. But it's about being very clear on your goal and why your goal is important to you. That is what keeps you moving forward, even when it's a bit tricky. So I'm just flipping back here. Radiant energy. That was a goal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on now to, to menopause. Yes. I have a line I use that I was born before hormones were invented because I had a fairly easy time of both amazing peri- yeah uh perimenopause my periods uh menopause I, it was a walk in the park for me but i know many women aren't that lucky what and perhaps more importantly why is this time of li- why is it that this time of life is so momentous for so many women so can i ask you a question first uh-huh. what what were your stress levels like your family construct you know, in in the kind of perimenopausal phase. Interestingly, I had become a fitness instructor. I was teaching uh, wellness. So so in many ways, my physical health was probably pretty good. 
I had just separated, so that was a huge stress. Uh, I had a good job I liked. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the reason I ask is that very often it is the high stress levels that impact somebody's experience of perimenopause and then obviously menopause. So generally the, the, the tricky time is in perimenopause, which can start as early as the age of 35, particularly because of the high stress world that we live in right now. And the fact that women are having kids later. So there's just this level of depletion in our bodies. Um, so it really is from the age of 35 that the first hormonal shift that starts to happen can start to play up in people's you know, experience of life. So that's the progesterone levels that can start to decline. And you know, progesterone is a lovely calming hormone that comes in after ovulation in the second half of the cycle. And when that starts to decline, impacted by stress as well, that can impact people's sleep. It can make you more anxious. So it doesn't, it's not there to balance the estrogen, which is like, if you think about it, estrogen is like foot on the pedal, progesterone is foot on the brake, and you need them in balance to feel balanced in, particularly in the second half of the cycle. So people can start to feel out of balance that, that early on. And then if you add on things like physical stress, like I had very poor sleep, still trying to, you know, fit in all, all the things in life, which just adds on, you know, the mental and emotional stress, work pressure, um, just the juggle of day to day when, you know, so we are expats, we don't have family support, you know, just trying to do it all that, that really can exacerbate you know, how we can experience perimenopause. So I think that's why people are just feeling it more and more. And there isn't much awareness that actually it's how you approach your forties that can really determine how you can, how you will then experience the, the, the hormonal shift. So it's, you know, the way I coach women is, is in three lifestyle pillars. So it's nutritional, changes that you need to consider in order to optimize how you feel in body and mind in perimenopause and then obviously translating that to menopause it's the movement side of things so often because of the hormonal shifts women start to hold on to more belly weight and just they just don't feel the same way they're a little bit softer just not feeling as good in their bodies so what do they do? They decrease their calories and then they increase their exercise, which just puts an extra layer of stress on the body that they can't handle. And then that can have knock-on effects on thyroid, causes their body to hold on to more weight. So it's really people try and apply the techniques that they did in their 20s and 30s onto perimenopause, which just makes the, the situation way worse to just thinking of some of the women that I have known as most of my friends are my age now but even just the stress of knowing that you're not as firm as you know uh, fit as everything that in itself 
is this huge stress that they add on to themselves, you know, so it's. uh... Yes. And yes, and I totally agree with that. It's, It's a case of not feeling like yourself, not just physically, but mentally as well, because, you know, with the reduction in progesterone, our PMS symptoms can extend from being not just the two days before your period, but, you know, all in the second half of your cycle, people can get super irritable over ovulation. So it's, it's really people not feeling like themselves because they're reacting more. Maybe they're more emotional. Their mood is flatter. There's a higher level of anxiety. So it's all of these different things that I think can make women feel that they don't even know themselves anymore. And don't necessarily understand that it actually is the hormonal shifts that are causing this and that there are solutions and not, and I'm not talking about supplements or hormone therapy, but there are lifestyle solutions that can significantly shift the way they feel, you know, which is why I'm so passionate about it is that our health outcomes are within our control. And it's just about knowing your body and knowing enough or knowing who to ask to get the help that you need to kind of drive yourself to, to where, how you want to look and feel. Uh, (laughs) It's I'm wondering if you like all all the stresses lead to certain results, shall we say conversely, I know women out there who say, Oh, it's, you know, I'm approaching menopause or I'm menopausal, whatever. Um, so the weight gain and, you know, all that stuff, uh, it's just natural. So I'm not going to stress about it, but I take it that is probably just as unhealthy as stressing about it is just to let yourself gain weight and let yourself be not as fit and that sort of thing. Is that correct? Yes. Cause the way I see it, so obviously there are, healthy levels of putting on, you know, maybe just being like a little bit more, a little bit less firm around, you know, in your, in your body. Cause that, that, that naturally happens. But, you know, if, if people are putting on a lot of weight, then I always see that as a sign that something in your body is, is out of balance. So, you know, if you see somebody putting on five to 10 kgs, they may feel okay because they're just accepting that that's just what happens with aging. But to me, that's a sign that something is out of balance, that there are certain lifestyle changes that will support them to come into balance. Because you want somebody to, somebody to fall at a, at a weight set point that is healthy for their body. So there are obviously all the metrics like body mass index, hip to race, waist ratios, um, all of those sorts of things that are indicators of whether somebody is in a healthy weight range. So, you know, I think somebody should really look at those in relation to where they are just to confirm that actually they are falling into a healthy weight range. You talk about lifestyle changes. Can you tell us about a few of those? Yeah. Selling off your programs? (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course. I want people to, to have very tangible things that they can w- walk away with uh, to implement tomorrow. So what I, what I recommend from a, from a 
nutrition standpoint is with the hormonal shifts, we lose muscle and we our bones weaken. And so with that, it is really important to focus on maintaining our muscles. So protein, good quality protein is really important at each meal. So 30 grams of protein at each meal is kind of essential if we're wanting to maintain our muscle and build our muscle, which you know I'll get to in the movement side of things as well. So that's a priority. We become more insulin resistant, which means our body isn't as able to utilize glucose as a fuel. So, you know, the bread for breakfast, pasta for lunch, baked potato for dinner is not going to fly. So we really want to use carbohydrates appropriately. So it's not about totally cutting out carbs because we need carbohydrates, but you know, having appropriate amounts, particularly for the amount of movement that, that you do and your kind of movement goals. And the other side of things is that our liver and our gut are hugely important. I mean, that's, they're hugely important for anybody in life, but, you know, in, in perimenopause and menopause, we need them to be functioning very well to metabolize the hormones and to support the so the gut is responsible for the final stage of excretion of our sex hormones and you know if we're wanting to reduce our risk of um of the female cancers which can come about with these you know these shifts of sex hormones we want our liver and our gut to be working really well so the way we can do that is to focus on diversity of plant food and that supports both the liver and the gut in terms of the health of those. And so that's like some principles from a nutrition standpoint. And then movement is strength training is really the focus. If we want to maintain functional movement, you know, well into our nineties, one hundreds. So I like people to think about their, like their final decade. So if you are wanting to live until you are 110, so what do you want to be doing between 100 and 110? Do you want to be hiking? Do you want to be salsa dancing? So what do you, what does that look like? So then we need to work out. So what do you need to be doing from a movement perspective to support you in achieving those health goals? Because aging can be a slippery slope and we need to start doing what we need to support ourselves in our you know final decade now and like that's a beautiful way to think about it and a beautiful motivation for people who don't necessarily like the idea of strength training you know I think a lot of women have this idea of men in the gym and it's you know it's maybe they used to using like one or two kilogram dumbbells but actually if we want to be able to get up and down you know off a chair and you know, put our own luggage up in the suitcase thing in, in, a, in the airplane, be able to carry our own groceries. We really need to work on strength training movements that support us to do that. So squats and push-ups. So if you think of like pushing motions and pulling motions, rows, those sorts of things. But in order to be able to do that, we also need to make sure that we are 
maintain flexibility and mobility. So really, you know, adding in things like yoga and Pilates are also very important. And I think what I do recommend for every woman is, is to see a personal trainer for even just a, a one-off session, just to make sure that their movement patterns are correct. Because in perimenopause and menopause, our body becomes more inflamed. And if we have old injuries that have changed the way we move, which we all have, you know, whether it was a little slip here or, you know, a, a broken arm, like all of these things actually can come up and start to bite us in the bum if we haven't made sure that we've, you know, addressed our mobility in, in our certain joints, et cetera. So that's really money well spent just to make sure that you're moving properly. And if you're not to spend some time getting that, those movement patterns working well so that you can, you know, salsa dance when you're 110. <laughs> um, I like and the then concept my... of, of reverse engineering. Um, yes. You know, yeah. Which... It's such a great idea because you talk about things like, like even milder things like e easy hiking. You know, you sort of expect to be granny on the rocking chair by the time you're 110. But why not have those goals exactly. of, you know, fun things that you still want to be able to do? Exactly. And that's what I love to challenge people with is like, let's throw out the idea of, you're going to be in a, in a wheelchair when you are 100 or that, you know, you're going to have, you know, you, you're not going to have all your marbles. Like let's throw out those ideas. Cause the more you think that that becomes your reality, you know, it's like the subconscious belief that you're not going to be healthy when you hit a certain age. It's all about, you know, these very subtle thoughts and beliefs that we have. And if we intentionally, create a vision of what our life is going to be like at that stage and put in the actions in place now that can 100% be your reality but it's about taking that intentional action knowing where you want to go interestingly um, I've had this discussion with a number of my peers recently um, I had read an article that said you know, if you're 20 or 30 and you forget something, you go, oh, drat, I forgot it. And you, you keep on going. But as soon as you're 60, 65, 70, and you forget something, you go like, oh, my God, am I getting dementia? You know, because as you get older, you start thinking about those things. Um, and so I think that's what you've just said is as soon as you start saying, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm having some uh, loss of mental capacity or I'm getting dementia or something like that beware the self-fulfilling prophecy yeah and and this and the self-talk and it's about you know catching yourself even if you you know in, in a conversation with with somebody it's about you know if you, if you say something and you forget somebody's name or whatever and you're like oh my gosh I'm losing my mind like that's negative self-talk so it's really catching yourself in in any in any way and, you know, not talking to yourself like that. And, you know, like there's so many different techniques out there to do kind of brain training. And there's so like, once again, there's so much that's within our control to be able to direct our health outcomes. It's just about being open-minded and curious. 
I think I'm going to pull that little piece out as a sound bite and just put it in my phone. And every time somebody says something to me, I listen to what Cheryl said. <laughs> yes, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also, you know, if somebody says something to you that, you know, this that's actually a physical boundary. If someone says anything to you about anything like that, you can just say, nope, not, not interested in having a conversation <laughs> like that or, you know, putting us putting us in a in a in a box because we a certain age or you know limiting what we can do because we're a certain age that's why I love working with anybody who is just open-minded enough to see the potential in themselves like regardless of the age I still lead a seniors exercise class amazing I, I started uh, with the class about 30 years ago and some they were seniors then and some of the women are still with the class so I have women in their 80s and their 90s and a lot of the things we do in terms of range of motion and strength training I tie directly into day-to-day life like you're gonna go for your driving test guess what you have to be able to do those shoulder checks you know so we do all that stuff and you know you've got your great-grandchildren or your grandchildren visiting like the last thing you want to do is to have to sit down and have someone carefully place the child beside you because you're too frail to to pick them up and give them a cuddle you know so that sort of thing that is so great because it's time that's perfect because you're tying what their priorities are to the particular and that's going to give them the motivation to be like yes I'm going to do this (laughs) and you know that that's so important tying tying things to people's goals and making it yeah tangible for them well it seems to be working (laughs) these these women are my role models so (laughs) yes um and do you want me to just finish off on my yeah I'm sorry yeah yeah. yes please so the final pillar is stress So, you know, I think, so we touched on this in the beginning because I often see this as the biggest category for women because incorrect nutrition, incorrect movement adds to the stress bucket. So I always get people to envisage a bucket and we all have a bucket generally quite full of stress and it's physical stress. So anything that adds physical stress to the body. So a high toxic load. So you know, regardless of how clean your personal environment is, you know, in terms of your personal care products, cleaning products, there are just a lot of toxins that we're exposed to on a day-to-day basis. So that's generally quite high for for people. Um, Heavy metals, you know, passed down from your mother that you, you could be unaware of, you know, can be passed down from generations. So physical toxins, poor sleep is another physical stress, excessive exercise, a physical stress, too little exercise, a physical stress. So all of these things can add to the stress bucket. And then you add in the mental and emotional side of things as well, where, you know, in our, in our everyday life, there is a lot of that, whether it's, you know, work stress, boss that's not being very nice to you, deadlines, unpaid bills, organizing a party like often things that people think are positive when you've got a very when you your plate is already overflowing adding that you know a a family event or something onto that can be the straw that breaks the camel's back even though it's meant to be fun it's actually a stress so working with people to first of all identify 
all the things that are causing stress to them and then working on you know various practices you know optimizing sleep detoxification working on daily routines that can help people manage the mental and emotional stress side of things is probably one of the things that is so so helpful to people having that structure in place do you ever recommend that people walk away from the news of the day for at least a while <laughs> absolutely i mean if people are i don't watch the news i don't even know what's going on in the world because it's it just impacts my well-being so much because i feel like there's so much bad going on in the world that i you know i can sometimes feel guilty that there's this out of my control there's nothing i can do so you know i step away and focus on what i can influence in my you know in my environment so i would encourage people to if they're comfortable being that extreme to do that if it's really impacting their mental health um otherwise yes exactly that manage their input so maybe have one time in the day where they check the news and for the rest of the time like step away from it that's the same thing you know like controlling your inputs is essential if you're wanting to uh, manage your mindset so the social media scrolling and the yeah. news. I was going to say I listen to talk radio here in Canada and it's like okay I'm shutting this newscast off because it's the exact same as last hour you know so um, and I think you've got to really stop and think about what you are listening to just on that yeah so. and also assessing how you feel before you put on that talk show and then how you felt afterwards, you know, do a little bit of a check-in. If you have a gut feel that consuming either Instagram or consuming the news is impacting your mental health, then assess yourself after you've, you know, before and after. And if it's you feeling more stressed, anxious, irritable afterwards, then it's something that needs to be managed and controlled. You're listening out there, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, tell me if I'm going here too quickly. Hormone therapy. Tw 20 years ago, my friends and I avoided hormone therapy for a bunch of reasons. But I understand hormone therapy today is like way more reliable, better for the body, safer, whatever. Can you address that? Yeah. So many years ago, there was the Women's Health Initiative, which ran a whole lot of, of studies on the use of hormone therapy in women. And the hormone that was used was Primarin, which was estrogen from horse urine, from, from pregnant mare's horse urine. And the population of women that were given hormone therapy, they were obese they were already in menopause so the population as well as the type of hormone that was given was really what drove the negative results that came out of it you know which was you know increased risk of cancer all of these different things and that's really what has put the fear into so many women around the use of hormone therapy so fast forward to today and the whole landscape has changed. So today there are hormones available that are 
obviously produced in a lab, but they're made from plants and they 100% mimic the hormones in our bodies. So our bodies can recognize them, can use them in exactly the same way. Whereas the horse urine, not recognizable to our body, cannot be used in the same way. So that they, they, it's just a very different product. They are bio, they, they termed different things in different countries, but the two kind of things, so there's bioidentical hormones, which are hormones, these hormones that I'm talking about that are made from plants. And they are made in, by a compounding pharmacy and a doctor will have them made up to 100% meet your specific hormonal need. So, you know, it's it's a re- it's kind of an iterative process to land on the dosage that works for you. And that will continue to change as you go through perimenopause until you are in menopause. And then you can land on a consistent dose because hormones, you know, fluctuate until you are really in menopause. And the definition of menopause is when you have not had a period for 12 months. So that's kind of how that works. And then there are, in some countries, there are body identical hormones, which are still made from the same, in the same way, are still 100% mimic our hormones in our body, but they are created, they regulated and they are created in set dosages. So you will go to a doctor, they may prescribe you body identical hormones, but you have to take the dosage that's provided for you. So that it may not be, 100% correct but I think that is generally covered by people's medical aids and there are still some synthetic hormones available so you know in the Mirena IUD there is a progestin which is a synthetic progesterone and then you will have other progestins which are synthetic progesterones that's that some people do use but you but you do get bioidentical and body identical progesterone it's a question I, I i think we should understand the answer to because while boomer women are well past probably menopause um, our daughters are in that perimenopause stage and instead of just going hormone therapy no <laughs> um, because that was our experience yes understanding you know, the, the, the plant-based and stuff like that is, is so important. Now, I, I mentioned that I have these older women in my life. Some of them report having hot flashes and things like that into their 70s. Um, if, if they are having those symptoms that are associated with menopause into advancing years, is it too late or is it still possible to get on hormone replacement therapies like some of these new ones will would those help so there are different views around that so the common view is that so in term in order to get the best out of hormone therapy it is optimal to start hormone therapy in perimenopause so as soon as you know so i think every woman should be having their hormones checked every month but I think from the age of about 45, because our hormones go on these wild swings, you should really go on your symptoms. And, you know, that may be a good time to then start working, finding a doctor who listens to you, that you resonate with, that you've got a connection with, 
to then start investigating the hormone therapy route if you're really feeling like doing all the lifestyle things are still not supporting you to feel the way you want to that's that would be a good time to kind of start those conversations there are some doctors that say that you can start hormone therapy 10 years after menopause but i think that other doctors say you can do it whenever there's a particular doctor who works out of the u.s she's got almost like a hormone subscription club and she does prescribe hormones to women in their 70s. So whereas other doctors, I think, would not. So I think it's all about education and understanding the risks of starting something later. The risks, you know, are there, are there lifestyle things that they could potentially be doing? Because hot flashes are generally, they're, they're triggers for hot flashes. And, you know, they could be, it could be alcohol, it could be, hot, you know, spicy food, it could be caffeine. No, there could be some of these lifestyle things that they should be trying first to see if they help the hot flashes. And what what are the things that, you know, and I think it's about going back to tracking your symptoms. So do you have hot flashes all the time, regardless of what you eat, how stressed you are, how you sleep, all of these different things? And then if that's the case, then thinking about, okay, well, is there anything herbal that I could try? And then, you know, if if still not, then I would say enter into a conversation with a, a doctor that specializes in hormones because doctors will openly say that in the traditional medicine environment that there's a, there's very limited education on perimenopause and menopause so you really want to find somebody who has gone the extra mile and is very well versed and educated on hormone therapy and the risks particularly in somebody who's already in menopause you mentioned having your hormones checked is that like is that a testing that you can do or like how does how does a woman do that yes so with your traditional doctor you can go and have blood done so your serum hormones checked and for women who are cycling it's about having them done seven days after five to seven days after ovulation and for women who have cycles that are being slightly erratic it's about trying to feel for those ovulation signs and like looking for the ovulation signs so that would be like a tweak tweaks in the side maybe some slight pains and cervical mucus that looks like egg white and then having your hormones tested five to seven days after that and so that's that I would recommend women to do there are other tests that you can do like saliva tests through functional medicine doctors or there is a very good test called the dutch test that I would recommend any anybody do whether they are menopausal or not and that's a urine-based test and that looks at your adrenal function, it looks at your body's metabolism, production of hormones, and then metabolism of the hormones, because it can show you whether you are predisposed to the female cancers because of the way your hormones are metabolized. And that gives you really useful information 
to then adjust your lifestyle if you are in a high risk category and that's called a dutch test wow <laughs> this is gold thank you this is amazing i know yeah it's very it's a very very powerful test so if any of your listeners want to reach out to me i can share more infor- information on that particular test you know so that as i was saying i think it's even for anybody in menopause we still produce estrogen we still produce cortisol it's it's really really helpful and it's you know it, it also shows you where they are potential like levels of inflammation thyroid issues so it gives a lot of data points to do further investigation um into into how your body's functioning okay you said reach out to you you actually have programs yes i do i do tell us about them so i work with people one-on-one as well as i run group coaching programs for women in perimenopause and menopause so and what I would say is don't be afraid to make changes regardless of your age you know so I know obviously you know your listening population is maybe through the menopausal transition you know I've had women in their in their 60s and 70s who have done incredible things and it's been so wonderful to see their relationship with their bodies change by working with me over over 12 weeks like just just amazing it's yeah it's like they've been the best thing where they've just trusted me they've trusted me to go through this process and yeah so anyway my one-on-one programs are three months and it's really about an individual's health goals and there's a lot of mindset, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the behavioral change side of things is often, that's that's what I'm there for. You know, I think there's so much information out there on what people should do. What breaks down is getting them to actually do it. So, you know, the accountability through the coaching is is where the magic happens. And my group coaching programs are also 12 weeks and you know we meet every week and it's it's just beautiful seeing the community between the women as well as as we go through this 12 week 12 week transformation journey together well now that we're all going to run off and reverse engineer 110 120 yes then yeah then we need to be <laughs> jumping on board in our 60s and 70s that's great now you're in australia Yes. Do, do, do you work online now? Like, do you have? Yeah, yeah. I've got a fully virtual practice. Oh, okay. That that ca- I did. I did plan to have a, pr- a practice, and I went. But I went into this when I was when we were fully in COVID lockdown. So I started working with people online, and I realized very quickly the depth of relationship that I can create virtually. It's it's no barrier you know, when, when both parties are invested in, in the relationship, it's, it's, it works so well. And I've got clients all over the world. So it just makes it more accessible for, for anybody to work with me. And also from a time perspective, it's, you know, it's an hour or 45 minutes and we log on, we log off and then they can carry on with their day. Good. Okay. So our, our listeners are mid-age women. 
Is there anything we haven't talked about that you think they should think about? I mean, other than reverse engineering 120, 130? (laughs) So my biggest, biggest, biggest ask is to not put these self-limiting beliefs in your mind around, you know, the the traditional view of, of aging. Like think and dream big, but have a very clear idea of, what you what you wanting to create for your life because we can always there's there's always ways to grow and there's always ways that we can improve our experience of life so just continue to be curious and to try different things and you know just just to always have a beginner's mind because i think you know continual growth is one of the drivers of longevity so you know just really you know challenging the status quo of of your own life that's what I would love your listeners to do and the other thing is just to continue being part of this beautiful community that you've that you've created because that's another pillar of longevity is having these beautiful supportive you know I'm purely talking about women here as well is these beautiful supportive women you know the sisterhood is so important when it comes to health and well-being you know people that you can connect with and share with laugh with cry with all of those sorts of things so just continue to invest and nurture those relationships excellent (laughs) you know it's funny because we speaking about my generation we are so emphatic about the fact that we are not our mothers and not our grandmothers in terms of lifestyle, aging, all that stuff. So I guess what I'm hearing you say is it's time to put our actions where our mouth is. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So what does that mean? Like it's all great saying that, but what does that mean in terms of how you act, what you do, what you wear, you know, all of these different things. I love talking about this idea of your future self. So you know, your future self is the hiking 110-year-old, okay? So what does that mean in terms of your mindset, your daily practices, and getting very, very clear on on that because you need to start acting like that person now if you're wanting to create that. Well, I have this other saying that this grandma's off her rocker, so... Um... <laughs> Love that. We've got to be um, a little bit loopy, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, but off that rocker on the porch too. <laughs> okay, where do people find you on the World Wide Web? Yes, so my business name is Your Tiny Voice. And that all comes about from working with people to support them to rebalance their bodies so that they can hear what their body is telling them. You know, going back to my story, I was very out of touch with my own intuition and the more we can do that the more we can make decisions from an aligned place whether it comes to life decisions food decisions movement decisions so my you can find me on ytvhealthcoaching.com and instagram your tiny voice and facebook is ytv health coaching and just to say if, if any of your listeners are interested in having a chat I do offer complimentary 30 minute sessions just to touch base understand get people to articulate where they want to go 
and yeah, just being able to point them in the right direction. I've got this whole reverse engineer in my brain now and I can't, <laughs> I can't get past it. I think that was just fabulous. Okay, links will be in the show notes. Listeners know that. Listeners, if you have comments on today's show, please talk to us. If you're listening at twoboomerwomen.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and leave comments there. We can be found at iHeart or Spotify, Apple or Amazon. Most places a person would listen to podcasts. Feel free to leave comments there and please leave stars and reviews. They help us grow. Before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. Share this conversation with a few friends who are struggling with haywire hormones. Cheryl's shared some great thoughts today and we can use all the great thoughts we can be given. Um, Just before I go to the listeners, uh, just in the last minute or two, the Zoom call has been freezing. And as I read my outro here, Cheryl keeps blinking and I go like, okay, we're not frozen yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Okay. So share this conversation. It's excellent. I I just, yeah. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, there's an application form at the website. Or if you want to hear wisdom on a specific subject, message me at twoboomerwomen.com. Cheryl, thank you so much for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today and for sharing such great info and some insights that I certainly thought I was open-minded but had never thought of before. So that's great. Oh, amazing. I'm so glad to hear it. It's been great to chat to you. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, you too.